Welcome to Journey to Authenticity. My name is Sarah Hart. Join me in the quest to uncover our true self and make aligned choices with relationships, purpose, spirituality, and body-mind. Together with my guests, we share the stories, practices, and perspectives on how we can all live an authentic life. Remove the mask, reveal the real you, and spread your light. So I recently got back from a week-long workshop or a learning module in the Czech Republic, and it was all around addiction and attachment and looking at addiction as a form of spiritual quest. And that's what really attracted me to the learning module in the first place. And I took so much away from this week, but one of the most profound things for me was being introduced to the Buddhist concept of the hungry ghost. So today I wanted to share with you my understanding of the hungry ghost, some of the takeaways and learnings that I had around the topic of addiction and my own addictive behaviour story. So this hungry ghost, it's in all of us. It lives in our shadow side. I want to first of all just try to create a visual representation for you of this hungry ghost in your mind. It's this emaciated, stooped over little creature with a long, thin neck, a small mouth and a large, starving belly. And this hungry ghost is a reflection of the part of us that is constantly seeking for wholeness. It feels empty, it feels incomplete and it has this deep void within it and it's constantly seeking to fill this emptiness from the outside. It's looking for ways to give it relief or fulfilment, but it's never satisfied. It's never full. It's got an insatiable hunger, hence this starving uh, belly. And this hungry ghost is the driving force behind addiction. It's the driving force behind obsession and compulsion. And it's the hungry ghost energy that perpetuates a cycle of addiction. And I think at some stage or another, this hungry ghost has been in the driving seat to varying degrees in each of us at different times in our life. I think in in all of us, in one way or another, we've we've had some form of addictive behaviour or ways of filling emptiness. It just manifests in different ways for different people. And I know that when we think of addiction, the first thought can tend to go to alcohol and drugs or substances But addiction can manifest in so many more ways than that. It can be in food, sex, porn, exercise, eating disorders, gambling, screens and phones is a big problem now. The internet, perfectionism, shopping, control, power, the list goes on and on. And in what we explored during the week away was looking at addiction, as I said, as a spiritual quest, which I found really beautiful. And when I say spiritual quest, really, it's about seeking wholeness. That's really what an addict is trying to do, seek wholeness. And that's what a spiritual quest is, because any addictive behavior is an attempt to give us a feeling of, for example, peace or bliss, euphoria or control or freedom. And at At the depth of it, the underlying cause is some form of emotional pain that we're wanting to get escape or numb or find relief from. But when it comes to the hungry ghost, there's some confusion. It's misguided. It's looking for things outside of ourselves that can create almost pseudo-enlightening experiences, things that give us the illusion of fulfilment. Because getting drunk, for example, or having sex or eating food, particularly unhealthy food or getting high, all of those things, they give us a hit of dopamine. 
And that's the pleasure hormone. And so our brain runs wild going, wow, this is incredible. It's doped up. And I can see that this hungry ghost energy has been the driving force for so much of my life. And during this week away, I had a very clear vision, actually, of when my hungry ghost first manifested itself. And that was back when I was around six or seven years old. And from that point onwards, this energy has created cycles of addictive behavior that have just transferred and crossed over from one thing to the next. And so for me, it started with computer games and this obsessive need to complete an entire game. I would sit for hours in my bedroom and play games at seeking this this hit of completing a game. And I remember, you know, after hours of slogging through, I'd get to the point where I complete all the levels and I was like, wow, you know, wow, I've completed it. It's amazing. Almost waiting for something incredible to happen. And I don't know if any of you have ever completed a computer game, but it's pretty much like a movie where you just get a scrolling of credits. It's one of the most biggest anti-climaxes that you could ever experience. And then I remember being left with this almost an empty feeling, just going, oh, is that it? And then wanting to seek and chase the next one. And it would just repeat. And then when I was 11 years old, I started punching walls. And then in my early teens, obsessive hand washing came in. And I was known as the OCD hand washer at school. And I don't say this lightly because it's not just like, oh, you know, okay, she just washes her hands a few times. I remember this this feeling that would come over me as if an absolute need to wash my hands, because if I don't, something bad is going to happen. And I start to create this incredible story in my head of all these horrendous things and these germs spreading everywhere and populating inside my body and all these things would bubble up inside me. And and I would try to remember sitting with myself going, no, Sarah, you don't need to wash your hands again. Just try to sit with it. And it was so overwhelming, this almost fear of fear and anxiety and heat and that would bubble up, that wouldn't go away until I would wash my hands and then, oh, I'd get some relief. And then I I can really relate to this cycle of addiction as they describe, because then it feels so out of your control in that moment. And then when I was around uh, 16, I started self-harming. And I remember then the discomfort that I used to just feel of just being myself, just sitting where I smell, being with myself, and wanting to escape or find some relief from this inner pain I felt. And I didn't know where it came from. I didn't understand it. I had no idea what it was about, really. But I remember getting so much relief in cutting and in the the, the ritual that I had created around it. And then when I was older, it, you know, it transferred to things like smoking and sex and porn and shopping and food. And the cycle was perpetual. It, it just went on and on, really. So when I say the cycle of addiction, it begins with this seeking, seeking, getting the fix, but being left with the discomfort afterwards and this hungry ghost grumbling again, this almost compulsive or obsessive type energy building up inside, despite wanting to make a different choice. You know, saying to myself, you know, I don't want to cut myself today or I don't want to eat the second portion of food. I don't need to wash my hands for the hundredth time today or wear latex gloves to protect me. But this overwhelming urge or compulsion would come over me and feel completely out of my control. And I'd find myself doing the same thing again that I committed to myself last time that I wouldn't do. And yes, as I said, I get that momentary relief. 
but then you're left with this feeling of guilt and shame. And then you tell yourself the story that tomorrow will be different and they're going to make a different choice again. And I think a lot of us do this, actually. We tell ourselves and other people stories. I'm sure you've heard either yourself saying it or other people, but, you know, I'll quit smoking. You know, I'll go to the meetings. I'll never hurt you again. I'll start the diet, whatever it is. But the truth of it, we believe it. In that moment, we're saying the truth and we believe that we can uphold that promise to ourselves. But when that hungry ghost starts grumbling again and it becomes so overwhelming, you can lose your own integrity in that moment. Your own moral code goes out the window when you're faced again with sitting with that discomfort, that uncomfortable feeling or you're triggered again. And that hungry ghost is really hard to ignore. Well, I found it that way anyway. So Gabor Mate's definition of addiction is one that I've resonated with the most. So I'm going to say this definition. I want you to just think for yourself, by this definition, would you say that you've ever been addicted to anything? He says that addiction is manifested in any behavior that a person craves, finds temporary relief or pleasure in, but suffers negative consequences as a result of, and yet has difficulty giving up. So I think just sit and think if that's ever been the case for you. And so he says, you know, find temporary relief or pleasure in. And why is it only temporary, this relief? Why does that yearning return again? And that's because it's not really meeting what we truly need. The hungry ghost is working in attempt to get our needs met that we're not even tuned into. Some of the most basic needs like love or belonging, connection, nurturing, nourishment, things that possibly we didn't get somewhere in our childhood. And it's constantly driving us towards these fundamental needs and away from pain. And I think that there are just many ways that we react to pain, how, you know, and, and how I understand it in my own experience. It can be things like depression, anxiety or anger or uh, violence or hardness, but addiction is just one of them. Addiction is a way we respond to pain because addictions give you a sense of peace. They give you a sense of control um, or relief. Or that's that again. That's my experience of them. That's why I felt I I needed to do it again and again, and that's why it's so difficult to break. So what I believe and I think is a concept that makes the most sense to me is that the addiction itself or the habit of behaviour of choice, is not the problem. It's not the primary problem. It's a symptom. And it's a symptom of an underlying cause. And that underlying cause is the emotional pain. And that's been the experience for myself. That's why when I stopped one behaviour, it only transferred to the next because I hadn't addressed the underlying issue. So you can remove the alcohol from the alcoholic, but it doesn't change the underlying issue. And I think all of us have seen this in some way, you know, for example, you can have the smoker who quits smoking, but then puts on a load of weight. And that's because they've just transferred one addiction to another. It's gone from smoking to food. So unless we realise that this is a response in some way to our personal story, um, our history, discover what needs we're looking to have met and heal the emotional pain that we're running away from, we're going to continue to look for things outside of ourselves to fill this void. So for myself, when, when did things start to change for me? Well, 
For me, I began pattern breaking back in 2011. There were several transitions that were happening during that year. I had started a new relationship with my still current partner, Sam. I'd bought a business. I'd moved house. But something was different about this relationship. And I knew that it had real long term potential that any other relationship that I'd had up until that point just didn't have in the same way. And I knew that if I didn't stop this pattern, it was going to destroy my relationship. And there were already, you know, consequences of of my behaviour at that time. And I think this is the thing that when we cross over the border of when a behaviour becomes more addictive, say, in nature, there tends to be a negative consequence or some level of destruction happening. And that was happening for me. Already I could see things starting to fall apart. My health wasn't doing great. My other relationships, my mental well-being, my sleep. But at that point, I had a willingness to make a change because I wanted this relationship to work. And so I made a decision for my higher self at that point and I went to see a therapist And instead of going for the lower vibrational choice of reaching for things outside of myself, which I had done continuously up until that point, I decided to take some responsibility and begin to look within myself. So I started to see a therapist, not for long, I only had a few sessions, but it was enough to start to shift things and perpetuate me into my own personal inner growth journey. And as I said, it coincided with many different things. There were a lot of collapses around me. I'd bought the business, as I said, but it was also failing. My financial situation was pretty dire at that point. I had to move home and some of my family relationships fell apart. There were multiple motivations to look at myself and just go, you know, fuck, I need to change something here. And I started a business development course as well. And that was a huge catalyst for change. I actually think that owning a business, if any of you own a business out there, you will know that owning and running your own business is a personal growth and a spiritual journey in itself. Um, I really believe that. And if it isn't, I don't know what is. Um, So basically, I started to take responsibility now. I began to take responsibility. Um, And I got to essentially drive then the hungry ghost energy into something more positive. Although I think sometimes... There were some points where the hungry ghost energy took hold a little bit with work and boarded into the more socially acceptable addiction of workaholism. But um, I'm still learning this, but, you know, boundaries and learning that as part of the journey uh, as well. But the difference was that for the first time, I didn't have guilt or shame associated with what I was doing. That was the difference. Yes, it's really hard work. I don't want to underestimate it. It is hard work to do that. It's hard to make choices for your higher self when you've taken the easy route. It's hard to take responsibility when you're used to externalizing and blaming, which is exactly what I've been doing up until that point. But it's so worth it because I was starting to see results. And as I said, instead of feeling guilt and shame, I started to feel pride and joy in what I was doing. I felt healthier. My uh, weight had dropped. My relationship was doing good. My business started thriving. And from a place where everything felt out of control and I had no awareness and everything was external, I began to wake up from this sort of slumber sleep that I had been in. And I now had some level of awareness. I began taking responsibility. And really what that word means is that we now have the ability to respond differently. 
And I've just been deepening that over the years. I just deepen my self-awareness as I go, deconstructing my programming, my personal history, trauma, my interpretation of my experiences, identifying my underlying driving fears and belief systems about myself and these needs that I'm looking to have met. And I know that one of the big ones for me is this fear of abandonment that runs many of my subconscious programs that I now believe dates right back to my adoption. So I think for yourself is just to think about what role does the hungry ghost play in your life? You know, there are there are many subtle ways that the hungry ghost can be at work, not just in the bigger things. You know, it's when you reach maybe for the third chocolate bar or the next Amazon purchase or you set the next target of money or when you feel uncomfortable just being in the present moment, always feeling you need to do something or achieve something. These are all things for myself, by the way. Um, and a lot of the times can just be this comfort of sitting with the chaos that can go on in our own mind and just being with ourselves, especially when you're in the doing, 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 doing brain. Even down to the most simple thing, you're in a coffee shop with a friend and you're having a catch up and your friend gets up to go to the toilet and your instant response is to go and pull out your phone and start scrolling through social media. That is still the hungry ghost energy at work. Or what about when we're seeking approval of other people or needing our spouse to respond in a certain way or wanting validation from our clients or our colleagues or our parents? Is that still the hungry ghost at work? Is that part of us that's wanting to feel whole, to fill some void, to get a dope fix? You know, and I really think there's question marks around it. And I think that's the point is it's all about self-exploration to develop a deeper relationship with your own hungry ghost. Really get to know all parts of yourself, the light, the dark, and compassionately inquire. I think that's what they call it in the 12 step. Compassionately inquire within yourself to understand what needs are you looking to have met. And this is just what I continue to do is to shine light on all the shadows that continuously keep popping up being real with myself, starting to call myself out on my own stories and the lies that I tell myself and other people. That's what shining the light on the shadows is. Just getting up in all the nooks and crannies, getting a, a torch to it. Understanding, under, under, uncovering all the underlying fears that drive you. Fear of rejection, not being good enough, not being loved, not being worthy. This is what part of the recovery process I think is about. In fact, the word recovery itself comes from the idea to recover something, to find yourself, to reconnect with the self. Awareness and inquiry is the first step. Because by shining a light of awareness onto all different parts of ourselves, by honouring all aspects of our personality, all the different constellations of thoughts and feelings within our psyche, then we're able to integrate them. And this is what enables us to feel whole. If we can learn to be kind to all the parts of us that we dislike or the parts of us that we dishonor or bring us shame, then we embrace our full, true identity. And I think all of us, we have an inherent desire to move towards wholeness and healing. We all are actually inherently whole. But if we continue to numb, to avoid, to escape, we are not growing and we remain disconnected from ourselves and others. So healing our own individual wounds, practicing self-love and self-care, this gives us access to this inner light. 
And there are, there are so many different ways to do it. As we've just spoken about, awareness and compassionate inquiry is really key. And then beginning a deeper healing process. And as you know, I love holotropic breathwork. This has been a big part of my own uh, journey to wholeness. And it really is, though, a very powerful way to bring awareness to more parts of yourself. Not only that, it breaks down this stored memory in the body and it also gives us the space and opportunity to have some of those needs met that we were lacking. And for me, it's been very profound in uncovering some of the roots of my hungry ghost. Uh, that and plant medicine also, as you know, been a very profound healing for me, almost like a rebirth. And the more I do this work, it's letting go of all the things that I've identified with in the past, letting go of all of the ego and the layers and the stories and reconnecting with my true self. But these are just two ways. There are many ways. It can be meditation, time alone, contemplation, allowing feelings to come up and out. Any ways that we can reconnect with the feminine energy is very powerfully healing. Dance, painting, spending more connection time in nature. There are many different means. It's just finding ways that work for you. And then consistently making the choice every day to stay awake and not fall back to sleep. So I just want to finish with a quote from Christina Groff, who was the co-creator of Holotropic. And she said that stepping aside from ego, the thing that gives us the illusion of power, the irony is that on the other side is a deeper power. And I thought that was really beautiful. So please inquire about your hungry ghost, but be kind and compassionate to yourself in the process. And I'm going to put a picture up of the hungry ghost on, on my website so that you can get that visual really well. And I find it quite useful just to have it in my office and look at it. So whenever that hungry ghost starts bubbling, I can look at it and go, ah, I know who you are. And somehow it makes me feel more compassionate for that part of me because it, it almost looks a little bit pathetic. Um, so yeah, it makes me want to love and nurture it somehow. So if you head to journeytoauthenticity.co.uk within the Hungry Ghost episode, um, I'll put a picture up there. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Journey to Authenticity. If you found something meaningful in this episode, then head to iTunes to rate, review and subscribe. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.